I am Pastor Corrine Boroff, Senior Pastor at Anderson First United Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to our worship service today. If you want to learn more about this church, visit our website at andersonfirst.org. Have a blessed day and enjoy the message. Our lesson this morning is from 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 5 through 16. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp as he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand, and he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. But David escaped him twice. Saul was then afraid of David, for the Lord was with David and had turned away from Saul. Finally, Saul sent him away and appointed him commander over a thousand men, and David faithfully led his troops into battle. David continued to succeed in everything he did, for the Lord was with him. When Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he was so successful at leading his troops into battle. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Many years ago, a reporter asked the Pope and said, Pope, how many people work at the Vatican? And the Pope thought for a moment and he said, oh, I think about half of them. <laughs> By contrast, another reporter interviewed Kenan Wilson, who was the founder of the Holiday Inn uh, chain. And he asked Kenan about work, and he said, I believe that to be successful, you have to work at least half a day. Doesn't matter which half you work, you can work the first 12 hours or the second 12 hours. <laughs> and a wise person has noted that, in the, that the only place where success comes before work is in the dictionary. And so we come to this time of celebrating what we celebrate nationally as Labor Day. Now, Labor Day has come for us as a time of transition, an end of summer and the beginning of fall schedule. We do this in the church. It's also become a cultural thing. It's kind of that last blast before we move into the fall. It used to also mean that you had to change your what you wore. No white after Labor Day. Yeah. 
So uh, that's not so much anymore, but that's there. it was kind of demarking some changes. However, it did not begin that way. It began as a time in 1894. It came as a result of many, many laborers being killed at the Pullman strikes, and it was a strike of the laborers against the railroad because of their working conditions. And because of the atrocities of these people being killed during this, the president then, Grover Cleveland, declared a national holiday to honor the worker. And it was a day that they were to not work. And so that has made an impact. Uh, Working conditions have improved over the years. In 1950, there were 350 strikes recorded that impacted significantly. This year, in February of 2019, it was reported that we have gone down to 20, uh, and they don't call them strikes anymore. The political correct term is work stoppages. (laughs) So we we have diminished that number quite a bit. But we have all worked. Now, whether we've gotten paid for the work that we do or not is a different story. But we've all worked for pay or without pay or any kind of compensation. And hopefully we've learned some things from what we have done as work. Now, my own personal experience, the first work experience that I remember is at eight years old. And at eight years old, I mowed grass, and I raked leaves for the neighbors. And I mowed with one of those non-motorized push mowers. That was the only thing I was allowed to use. And uh, what I learned from that was that there are consequences when you don't follow through. It becomes really evident to the whole neighborhood. I thought Kareem was supposed to mow that yard. It's about foot tall now, you know. Or there's still leaves in that yard. Or she only mowed half my yard and not all of it. Uh, so I learned really quick that consequences in not doing the job that I was expected to do uh, showed up very quickly. At 12, I uh, cleaned horse stalls. I loved horses. I wanted to be around them. That was the job I got to do in order to be around and pet the horses. I learned from that that there are some jobs that just stink. (laughs) (laughs) At 14, I was a janitor, and I was um, invited. (laughs) I thought it was really cool because I got to go up into offices Uh, This was while we lived in Hartford City, and I went up into the offices that were above storefronts around the square, and I was to dust and vacuum and just generally pick up. I was not allowed to touch anything that was left out. I learned really early to appreciate the little things, the people that threw away their own half-eaten sandwich setting out on, because I wasn't supposed to pick that up, and it kind of grossed me out. (laughs) So I appreciated the little things that people did that made my job easier. At uh, 16, I worked at the Hartford City News Times as a receptionist, and there I learned that multitasking is definitely a gift. (laughs) 
and I have such a great deal of respect for our volunteers in the church office, for Kathy Keene who works up there and kind of has to do multiple things all at the same time and does them well. And then in college I worked in factories. Uh, for three years, three summers I worked in factories in Napanee and Goshen and there I learned to be so appreciative of the fact that I had the opportunity to go to college and some other folks had never had the opportunity. Now, some chose not to, but some just had not had that opportunity and I felt very, very, very privileged. But we have jobs that are not always good. I mean, we can learn from those too, but jobs are not always good. There's a movie that just epitomizes that. Some of you may have seen it. It's an old one. If you haven't seen it, it's kind of a fun movie. It's called Joe versus the Volcano. Anybody ever see that movie? Yeah, a couple. Okay, Joe versus the Volcano. Um, the movie begins with, once upon a time there was a guy named Joe who had a very lousy job. And the first 20 minutes of the movie talks about Joe and kind of paints this really doom and gloom picture of capitalism and how we just all kind of move robotically through the day doing what we're supposed to do. And it kind of has sucked the life out of people. As the movie goes, just so you kind of know, it moves beyond that. Joe finds out after 20 minutes in the movie that he has a fatal, it's called a brain cloud, whatever a brain cloud is, um, has a fatal brain cloud that will take his life in a matter of few years. And so... Joe has a choice to make, and it's at that time when he finds out his life is limited that life opens up. And he quits his job, and he's enlisted by a billionaire to go to a tribe and be the sacrifice for this tribe to jump into the volcano. It stars Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, just a fun fact. Uh, Meg Ryan plays actually three different women in the same movie. It's kind of fun. So I won't tell you the end. I won't tell you whether Joe jumps or not. But uh, that's kind of the premise of the movie. But the fact that he had such a lousy job. Well, our scripture today paints a really a pretty bleak picture of a really lousy job. I mean, we could say once upon a time there was a guy named David and he had a very lousy job. And what we hear in our scripture this morning, you see David, it talks about in our passage that he killed the Philistine. That's Goliath. David was a young boy who had been a shepherd out in the field. And he was called... Upon because he was good with the slingshot. That's what you did as a shepherd to protect your flock. And he got to be really good at it. And so he was called. They were terrified. The whole armies were terrified of this Goliath. And they called David. And David was successful. Wasn't fearful, but successful. And from there, David was invited into the courts of then King Saul. 
And he was invited there to play the harp. So he was no longer a shepherd. He was still a young boy. He was put in the courts of the king, which sounds like a really great thing, huh? But the people saw David as being more successful. He killed the Philistine. It's like killing ten thousands. Where Saul had not, had not been able to be successful in doing that. So they began comparing. So David was in a job where his employer was trying to kill him. I tell you, work conditions don't get much worse than that, do they? (laughs) And so, this is what we find David in. This situation. But we can learn some things from David and his response to his job. First, we can learn to work for good. In other words, imitate God. God is a worker. God creates. That's an act of work. And God, we hear that the very first introduction we have to our God is that he is creating all that is. And so God works. And we also hear in that creation story that God works for good. All that God created in Genesis was very good. And so we have this wonderful image of working for good. Now, just kind of an aside, as Pastor Dondina in July preached about the Sabbath, we have God working the the six days and resting on the seventh, the Sabbath. God didn't need to rest. God is God. That's put in there as an example for us. So if we are to be use God's work as an example for our lives, to imitate God, we too are to imitate the rest. But we're to imitate the work as well. And so we have this package of working. God offered us that day of rest, not because God had to rest. We do. And God knows that about us. But David, this young boy, who was a shepherd boy, who really liked playing the harp and dancing, if you read the Psalms you get that, he was put in a position to play the harp for King Saul, and as the, he grew in popularity with the people, the people liked David, King Saul tried to spear him. In our scripture, it says he showed up with the spear twice and tried to nail David to the wall. In other words, spear right through him so he could hang from the wall. His intent was to kill David. Now, I don't think I'd show up again. (laughs) David went back. (laughs) He went back another time. I mean, he was faithful to the job that he was called to do, and he did it well. What an example of imitating God. And so the other part is to be content to be content where we are. 
in our journey. And so David was. David was quite an example. It's not that David's life was easy. He had been uprooted from his family, from what he had grown up knowing as a shepherd boy, taken away from home. He had instant fame. And if you ever kept track of any child stars of today, that's a pretty destructive thing to have instant fame. It can just destroy a life unless it's really intentionally kept in balance, which obviously David could do. He had instant fame and he had an employer trying to kill him. Not just once, or twice with the spear. But you notice in our scripture, just following that event, Saul decided, oh well, I can't kill him, so I'm going to send him out. I'll put him in charge of a thousand warriors and send him to battle. This is a kid with no experience, sent out to lead an army against people who would gladly kill them off. It was a death sentence. David, if he was smart at all, and scripture tells us he was, he knew that. But he was faithful to do what he was asked to do, and he knew that God would be with him. And so David went. That doesn't end the conflict between Saul and David, but it does for our scripture today. That story is amazing if you read through that. We have David's example for us. But the most important thing that we can learn from David's journey is that it's not just what he does. It's who he is. It's not just David's work and what he's doing, but it's who he is when he's doing that work. That's what's the most important piece to God, is that David allowed God to not only work in him, but to work through him. And that's what each of us is called to do, to allow this God who works still, his ongoing work among us, to work in us and through us. That's what we celebrate when we celebrate communion. We celebrate God's amazing work of salvation through Jesus Christ. A powerful gift that we are given because God worked it out for us. Worked at bringing that to us. And so we can celebrate But we are too called in no matter what we do with our time during the day. What we are called to do by God, whether we're paid for it or not, that's our work. And in that we are called to be imitators of God. We are called to be content where we find ourselves in that moment. doesn't mean it can't change, but to appreciate what we have in the moment. 
and be content there. So I invite us, as we prepare to receive Holy Communion, and as we sing together, let this be a recommitment of ourselves to God. I need thee every hour.